Another day Another dollar Makes you wonder where your money went You can scream And you can holler Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't dictate it, it's almost always the case during my 50-mile commute between Arlington and Frisco, Texas. Today is Wednesday, September the 9th, 2009. I believe this is episode 273 of the Survival Podcast. And as always, this is one man's view, one man's opinion. You are encouraged to uh, disagree if you feel so compelled. Anyway, um, let's get right into things today with uh, the housekeeping. Before I do that, I want to tell you what today's show is going to be about. Today's show is going to be about um, farming, gardening, small livestock, permaculture, aquaculture, hydroponics, you name it. Anything that involves you using your own resources to produce your own food, uh, either for yourself or if you're producing surplus to use to uh, to sell, barter, or give away to others about food production. From a different uh, vantage point than we've talked about it for a while, I did a show a long time ago called The Patriot Garden, The Last Defense Against Globalism. This is going to be in that vein, but a little bit more in-depth and with more things concluded than just a garden. Uh, so that's what today's show is going to be about. Before I uh, do that, though, let's take care of our housekeeping. Number one, make sure you're supporting our advertisers. They support the show, and that helps me do the show for you every day. Uh, they are personal endorsements. You cannot be an advertiser just because you have money on the Survival Podcast. You have to go through an approval process. The first step is, will I approve you? The second step is, will the listener ad council approve you? And if you don't get approved, you get rejected. Um, number one advertiser of the day today is Tea Party Silver. Um, these guys have beautiful coins, and as I've said before, I own them myself. When I say personal endorsement, uh, I mean it, especially with something as beautiful as these coins. Check out Tea Party Silver, uh, not just their Tea Party commemorative coins, uh, but things like their Morgan Dollar Silver uh, replica is absolutely a breathtakingly beautiful coin and very, very affordable. And very few of us could afford uh, to uh, look at an original Morgan in that kind of shape and uh, say we're going to use that as investment because we're looking at numismatic value there. You can afford a gorgeous coin uh, for about the spot price of silver from Tea Party Silver. Uh, next advertiser of the day is Tactical Response Gear, uh, James Yeager's store online. Uh, you can find some of the best equipment available uh, for your tactical needs at tacticalresponsegear.com and uh, James's other site. You can get some of the most amazing training available to civilians and or law enforcement or military personnel uh, at his school. So check that out as well. Moving on from there, make sure you're getting involved with our forum. And remember, if you want to find out about Region 6's get-together, that's going to be September 18th, I believe. Shannon Appleby's done a great thing putting that get-together up there in uh, in Iowa. I wish I could go, but there will be a link, as there has been for the last month, in the show notes so you can learn more about the get-together. And last but not least, if you think the show's worth 20 cents an episode, consider joining the Member Support Brigade. You'll get exclusive content available only to members and uh, about $70 worth of retail value stuff 
absolutely free the day that you join, which will cover your first two years worth of membership and value for you, in addition to the additional videos and stuff you get from me and supporting our show. And with that, we've got the housekeeping knocked out. Let's get into today's main topic, uh, which again is any form of food production, gardening, permaculture, planting fruited trees, uh, keeping chickens or rabbits or uh, setting up a greenhouse or setting up a greenhouse with a with a uh, an aquaponics system in it where you're growing both food and fish, anything like that. That's what we're. That's what I'm really speaking about today. And, and what I've said is, it is the last true form of active revolution that we can participate in. And it is an active revolution. It is something that we can do. It does matter. The first thing I want to tell you today is the biggest lie you'll ever hear about your garden. And you'll you'll hear it trickle down to you through a hundred different media channels in a hundred different ways, but it's always summed up as, it doesn't really matter. Tom, you know what? That little garden plot in your backyard, there's 300 million people just in the United States. There's, there's, there's almost 7 billion in the world. Your little garden plot just doesn't matter, Tom. Uh, They're full of shit, folks. Let me just put it to you as blunt as I can. They're full of shit. It absolutely does matter. And you know how it matters? You know why you know it matters? Because if it didn't matter, they wouldn't even say anything. That message wouldn't get handed down. There wouldn't be articles in agricultural trade magazines about how the Green Revolution and the new gardening and the new organic movement and all this other stuff and the permaculture. They're nothing to worry about, farmers. Just keep spraying your crops. Those articles in those trade journals would not exist. Okay, the the president's wife, our illustrious first lady, wouldn't be planting a garden at the White House. Now she's no big champion of our movement, folks. Don't think she is. But why is she doing that? Because she's harnessing something that's existing. They're trying to look like populists. Well, they wouldn't be doing that if it didn't matter. If your garden didn't matter, then her garden wouldn't matter. And uh, the people that make chemical poisons and fertilizers would not be mailing the first lady and trying to get her to switch over. Oh my god, folks, hold on. Okay, I had to deal with a real idiot that I would have had such an auto rant I would have ruined the whole show for you. So, um... Anyway, the, the, the uh, people that make fertilizers and, and, and chemicals and stuff wouldn't be sending our first lady a, a letter telling her and reminding her that maybe she should use just a little bit of their chemicals because of the contributions that they make uh, to modern society and helping to feed the world. None of these things would be happening if your garden didn't matter. None of these things would be happening if planting two apple trees in the backyard didn't scare the crap out of the power. Hours to be. And I know that's like you're going, man, this guy's reaching today. No, by the time I'm done, you're going to understand why it matters. And you're going to have a new sense of urgency into why you do the things that you do. And to what it really means to stick your hands into the earth and pull something from it. Let's think about what are our other options for revolution, for revolt, for protest. Can we do it at the ballot box? Before you answer, can we really? Do you really think that it would be that different today, right now? Our monetary policy, how deep we're into this recession, all kinds of new pork barrel crap 
Don't you think there still would have been a stimulus if we elected John McCain? There would have been, and the lie that it would be drastically different today is a lie that's used to pull the wool over the eyes of the average Republican. And if McCain had won, they would have created the same illusion that things would be far different with Barack Obama today. We're not getting anything different. When's the last time you voted for somebody, folks? Let me let me make sure I'm clear. When's the last time you voted for somebody? Let's take Ron Paul out of the equation if you voted for him in the, uh, the primaries. When's the last time when you went to the ballot box, you voted for somebody instead of against somebody. I, I really can't remember other than I've been voting for third-party candidates for about five years now, so I've been voting for somebody. But it hasn't really mattered. It hasn't been a big enough of a movement to have an impact. Right? It's just my individual one-man protest that no one really cares about because we live in a two-party system that's not even really a two-party system anymore. It's a mega-party oligarchy. So voting... With a few exceptions, not that much we can do with it right now. Maybe one day we can. I think gardening can take us there. I'll explain. Hold off. Uh, But uh, I want you to understand that right now, the ballot box doesn't give you much of a choice, really, does it? How many of our congressmen and senators have been in office for more than four terms? And we have a congressional approval rating that hovers in the 20th percentile. How likely would you be to keep your job if your boss was only 20% happy with you? But yet these guys are here. So we don't have that form of protest. What about calling them up and saying, hey, you better do this or you better not do that? What about that? What about when we all get angry and we shut down the switchboards? Occasionally it seems to work. seems to have gotten their attention a little bit with this health care thing. Hold it off, maybe. I haven't talked about it much. I might someday. I don't know. I think you're all deluding yourselves. But enough people ask. I'll tell you what's going to happen with the health care reform thing. I'll tell you what the actual outcome is going to be before it happens. You're you're going to have to ask me for it. But they're not really listening. They're running these town halls, and we had an ass clown just today or yesterday come out and tell the people at his town hall meeting, hey, this is my town hall meeting for you, and you'll do what I want. I, the arrogance. Did we want the, spent, the stimulus bill? Did we want the Bush bailout? Did we want the auto bailouts? Were most Americans opposed to it? Did everybody call? Did they do it anyway? Did it work? No. What else can we do to protest? I mean, I think that you know, owning property is the, the last true form of wealth out there. If you own property, you have a lot of control over your own destiny. But if you own property, they tax that, don't they? So the bigger, the more beautiful, the more special you make your property, the more value you create in it especially outside of gardening and permaculture and agriculture, especially outside of those things, the more they'll tax you on it. Think about that. So is your form of protest just to buy property and pay it off and say, now I'm out of the system? You're not out of the system with property. You've got to get the property producing for you, or it's not a form of protest. Because they still own you. They own you through taxation. What about buying a little car, right? We're going we're gonna to go on an eco-revolution, right? We're going to buy a little car or a moped, and we're going to spend as little on gas as possible. We're going to go buy a hybrid. We're going to get 60 miles an hour. We're going to emulate Jack. Jack drives his Shedda diesel TDI. He gets 44 miles to the gallon. If he would slow the hell down, folks, he would probably get 50. If he really, you know, wanted to and drove slow and made people upset, I could probably push this thing to 60 miles to the gallon or more. 
but I wanted to, like, you know, put it in neutral at times and, you know, avoid excessive acceleration, not drive the car the way it was intended to be driven. But no. But if you do that, what's, do you know what's coming? Do you, do you understand what's coming? In my car, right now, up on my window, I have a little square. That little square is a toll tag. When I get on the tollway here in a little bit, it's going to charge me money. And it's going to charge me money up, and it's going to charge me money back. I'm going to have to pay a bill to drive on the tollway. That's just the way it's going to be. You're going to have one, too, whether you think you are or not. And every road you drive on in America is going to be charging you a toll. Because we are headed to a place where gas is going to be cheap for the average American, not because it's cheap per gallon, but because we need so little of it to go the distances we want to go. The electric car is coming, finally, after 100 years of, of, of BS as to why it couldn't be done. Chevy Volt's on the way. 100-mile round-trip vehicle without a drop of gasoline. It's coming. Is that your form of revolution? Well, they'll tax you on the car. They'll tax you when they drive. They've built their entire government oligarchy off of your back. A huge piece of it has always been motor vehicle fuels tax. Do you think they're going to let go of that money just because you stopped burning gasoline? No. What can you really do today to affect change? What can you really do today to affect change? The only thing you can do today that actually will be a form of protest that will matter is to create independence. And that's it. And there's nothing else. The only way you can revolt today is to be as independent as you possibly can. And the number one way you can get there is by producing some portion of your own food, even if it's 5%. Let's look at revolting by growing your own food or raising your own livestock and see exactly how much power it takes away from the powers that be and and why it really scares them. Let's say that you go out to a couple construction sites, and I guess you drove your car or your truck there, so you spent a little bit of gas money and some taxes, so they, they got the win on that. But you picked up a bunch of used wood and building materials, maybe even you bought a few things that were necessary, and for a few bucks you put together a nice little chicken coop in your backyard. Now you go out and you find a local uh, poultry breeder and you say, hey, look, uh, I want to buy some chickens from you. And uh, just because just it's four little chickens or, or eight little chickens, little pullets or what have you, uh, you do a cash deal so there's no taxes. What's your business is your business and their business is their business. And you bring your chickens home and... Maybe you got to go out and buy some feed for them, but there's a reason that they refer to something being cheap costing only chicken feed. Chicken feed's pretty cheap, and you pasture them in your backyards plus a supplemental feed. And those chickens start giving you eggs in a few months. And they give you a couple eggs every day for about five years for the average chicken. And at the end of that five-year life cycle, you either turn the chicken into just basically a pet chicken and let him live out his life, or you call him stew and put him in a pot. One way or another... You know, you replace them with a few more young chickens. Maybe you bring a rooster in and occasionally you let a a little uh, litter of chickens come up and become adult chickens or semi-adult chickens, either to replace your layers or for the pot. 
and you have those chickens. And, and then you start talking to your neighbor, and you look over in your neighbor's yard, and your neighbor has this beautiful apple tree, and you're trying to grow an apple tree too, but his is 10 years old and producing apples. And you say, hey, Tom, I'll tell you what, uh, if you'll, uh, when those apples come in, you give me uh, half a basket of them, uh, I'll give you eggs, uh, a couple eggs a day uh, for a month. And Tom says, sure. How much, are the, how much does the government get of that? And every egg that you eat, every apple that you eat, every egg that Tom eats, every piece of fried chicken that comes out of the backyard, all the compost the chickens make that goes into your garden and helps grow your tomatoes and your cucumbers and your beans. How much does the government get of that? Do they get any? Not unless you're foolish and you tell them, hey, here's your piece. They get nothing. Let me say it again. They get nothing. Right? You'll say, well, Jack, you know when you buy food, you don't pay sales tax on the food. So they don't get anything when I go down to Kroger and I buy an apple. Oh, really? Well, they taxed the fuel that brought the apple to you. They taxed and feed and licensed and and put the uh, producer of the apple through god-awful hell to make that apple, and they made money there. Uh, You had to be employed to earn the money to buy the apple, so you paid Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, and income tax. You had to drive to the store, so you paid gas tax. Are you starting to understand how everything that we do empowers the powers that be? It gives them strength. It gives them power in the form of currency. Every action you take, me right now, just driving to work, I'm empowering government. Jack, you're not empowering government, really. I paid tax on the fuel that I put in my car this morning. I had to work really hard so I could pay off this car in full. They got to tax that money. They taxed the car when I bought it. If I sell it, they'll tax it again. I'm going to pay tolls. That's a tax. I'm going to work to earn money. It's the only reason I'm in the car in the first place. They'll tax that. If on the way home tonight I stop and pick up a 12-pack of beer or a bottle of wine for my wife, they'll tax that. They'll tax the fuel going back. I go home and turn the light switch on, use energy, they'll tax that. When cap and trade ever gets through, they tax it more. Tax, tax, fee, tax. There's two stickers in my window. One for inspection, one for registration. Folks, they're both taxes. I put new tires on the car. I pay taxes. The guy that puts the car tires on the car gets paid. They tax him. He takes his money and buys a six-pack on the way home. They tax him again. Everything we do... Is part of a system designed to maintain control over us. And most people have, add debt to that equation. And then they pay tax on the debt. And if they don't pay the debt, they tax me to pay somebody else's debt. On and on and on it goes. And there's no escape. Until you say, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to raise a chicken or a rabbit, or grow some beans, or grow a tomato. Plant me a couple fruit trees, maybe a couple nut trees, a couple grapevines. I'm going to create the very thing that I most need to survive from the land that I already live on. Even if you're renting, it doesn't matter. You're still paying, you pay the rent anyway. You pay the mortgage anyway. You pay the property tax anyway. The food that you produce is the first step in moving that home to a homestead.
Generally, I do a ton of research and, 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 and backtracking and fact-checking and stuff like that to get ready for a show. The only thing I did today is I spent 10 minutes watching the video of the Dervais family again out in Pasadena, California on their tenth of an acre mini farm and how they live their lives and how they produce tons of food with only one-tenth of an acre under cultivation. And I just watched that to get inspired, to get in the right frame of mind for you guys today. I watched Jules Dervais at the end of that video, like I have many times before, hold up that little garden trowel. You know, the way that a revolutionary over in, uh, in, in some foreign land would hold up an AK-47, he's holding up a garden trowel. You know what? The garden trowel is more powerful. You can't run a revolution in this country with a gun. Are you insane? How long will that last? How much damage would that do to the movement for liberty and freedom? It could literally destroy it. The gun is for defending your home. The gun is the last effort, not the everyday effort. It's the line in the sand that shall not be crossed. It is at the very end of a very dark road that I hope to God we never, ever, ever go down. And I hope for my children and for their children that we never, ever have to go down that road in this nation. Ever. But we have to revolt. Can't do it with a rifle. You can't do it with an economy car. You can't do it by earning less money because whatever you're earning, they're still taxing the only thing you can do is take on some level of production that's outside the system that you completely own and fully control. And that's why it scares them. And it does scare them. Again, you know, in, in World War II, the pilots had a saying, how do you know when we're over the target, when we should be dropping our bombs? When we start catching flack. When they start shooting at you, you're over the target. Well, folks... They're shooting at the Green Revolution. They're doing it directly and indirectly. They're doing it indirectly by spinning it. Oh, it's the economy. The economy's so bad that these people are out there and they're trying to produce food for themselves because they can't afford to go to the store. Well, folks, I have one of the most beautiful gardens in my neighborhood. I can afford to go to the store. I went to the store last week. I have a bunch of food store, stored up. A lot of it came from the backyard. A lot of it came from the store. I didn't lose my job. A lot of you didn't lose your job either. You're growing things. Are you doing it because you can't afford it? Are you doing it because you're cheap? Are you doing it because you're scared of the economy? Or are you doing it because it feels good? It feels right. There's something in it for you long term. There is something to be said for having your own ability to provide for yourself. And that taking that back feels good. Do they write about that? Do they want to talk about that? Hell no. Because that's contagious. That's what Jules Face means when he says, revolution is fertile. If I went over to my neighbor and said, hey, you know what, Bob? I want you to come with me to a political rally. He's going to get the hell away from me. He's still got a Carrie Edwards sticker on his car, folks. I'm serious. All right, This guy, he doesn't really live there anymore. He comes about once a month. He's renting the house to some other folks. But he, he lived there for several years with us. He's got his little Volkswagen. He drives a Volkswagen to one of the little remade bugs, a little blue bug. He's got a Carrie Edwards sticker on it. Think I'm going to get him off to a Ron Paul meeting? 
But you know what? He's taken to growing some of his own fruits and vegetables there where he's relocated down to Austin now. I can spread that. You can get your neighbor who doesn't care about CNN to grow beans or peas or tomatoes or watermelon. Everybody that comes to my house and looks at my garden goes, I should start a garden. Not all of them do it, but everybody says that. Nobody comes to my house and says, hey, Jack, who should vote for? I voted for Ron Paul. I should vote for him, too. It never happens. No matter what I do, people are either ready to take a political step or they're not. But when you start talking about growing things, producing things, caring for land, caring for animals, providing for yourself, creating beauty, it's already so intrinsic to the human soul that it's like infecting them with a disease. They can't help it. You know, my, my sister-in-law comes over and says, we've got to grow a garden at our school. You think I could get her to talk about Austrian economics to fourth graders? Do you really? Do you think she'd say, hey, Jack, why don't you come by the school, talk to our kids about Austrian economics? But she said, why don't you come by the school and help us set up a garden? Do you see the power? Do you understand what it's really about? Do you see why a carrot is more than a carrot? Do you see how it operates at a level that's so superior to anything else that's out there that it it cannot be stopped? We can only be made to go to sleep and forget it. We can only be placed into a slumber. We can only be shown the beautiful produce section at Tom Thumb or Kroger and hear a thunderstorm right before they spray it with water so it doesn't all get ruined, so it stays moist and fresh, and they play nice music in the background. And we stand next to neighbors, and we all look, and we go, aren't the tomatoes beautiful? And they can use that to put you to sleep, but when you pick a brandy wine off a vine, and it's still warm from the sun, then in your heart you remember the truth. That we're not supposed to live in a hundred thousand people in a one square block footprint in a city like a bunch of cockroaches. That we're supposed to live with the land. That we were put here as part of it. That it's intrinsic to who we are. That to hunt, to gather, to forge, and to cultivate is the very nature of what we are. Water your tomatoes tonight, and even if you don't normally, get a little bit of water on the plant so that that smell comes out. Tell me if that smell doesn't take you somewhere. In time, in history, in the past. Just that smell of a wet tomato plant. Unless you grew up never having a garden, it will take you somewhere. To me, it takes me back to being a 12-year-old boy on my grandfather's little homestead. It takes me back there in an instant. When I go out and I prune my peach tree, it reminds me of the apple trees that we had in the backyard. As I plan building a grape trellis, it reminds me of the hundred-year-old Concord vines that my grandfather took care of and taught me about grapes with. It makes me travel to those times. Scents, smells, sounds, sights. It reconnects with you. It pulls you in a direction that just makes sense as a human being. And here's the real reason that it scares me. 
the powers that be. The corporate entities of the world, the political entities of the world, they can't control it. They can't control it. As though they try, genetically modified organisms, chemicals, sprays, seeds that they control, patents, no matter what they do in the end, I can teach a five-year-old child how to graft an apple branch to a piece of rootstock and create a new tree. In the end, anybody can go out in the woods and find a clump of miner's lettuce and dig it up and bring it home and plant it and start cultivating it. In the end, anybody in Dallas all the way out to California can drive around and look out their, their window and see sunchokes, or Jerusalem artichokes as they're called, and go out and dig them up and get food from the ground. In the end, there's no way to control it. There's no way to stop it. There's no way to prevent it. No matter what you do, no matter how hard you push, no matter how hard you try, it won't go away. It's nature. The only way to win, if you want to control nature, is to get the population to forget, to go to sleep. To decide that it's much easier to go to Kroger. Yeah, I have to work and I have to trade my life. If I grew 10% of my own food, I'll only take back 10% of my freedom. My freedom's not that valuable to lull them to sleep. And that's why your garden matters. And that's why your one garden scares the hell out of these people. That's why they've come up with these new regulations trying to, to control. And folks, let's not overreact. They haven't come down and tried to take away your tomato plant yet. All the people that freaked out over that, it was never what it was. But it was the first step in that direction. But what they wanted to do first, and what they really tried to do, was put small producers out of business. People like the Dervaises. People with an acre or two. They do 100% organic production. They really scare the powers that be. Because now I don't just have to grow my own tomato if I want to participate in the revolution. All I have to do is go to a farmer's market and buy from a local provider that grows that way. All I have to do is go out and find people that are already growing that way and say, hey, do you want to sell directly to me? All I have to do is go find people like that and say, hey, you know what? I've got a pile of firewood over there. I have a hydraulic splitter. Let's say I split this for you and you give me a bushel of potatoes and I'll take them home. So those people are a threat. And then you as an individual, you're a threat. You have the power of choice and you have the power of creation. So you can't create oil. You can't create energy. We can do some things with alternative energy, but the, the entry point is expensive to run a home. Very expensive. So expensive that it's a break-even proposition. It's very hard to phase into. It's something we should all work toward, but it's a longer-term goal. I can grow a seed now. I can turn my car around right now, say the hell with work today. I can go home, and I can plant 100 plants in an hour. And every one of them could provide me with some level of useful sustenance. I can do that now. I can do that for under $1 investment. It would cost me more money and gas to go back home than it would for 100 seeds. Especially if I save my own. And in that power is the power to create. If you look on our forum, you'll see a lot of people that post pictures of their guards. You'll realize it's not just about a tomato or a pepper or a cabbage or a bean. 
They've actually created things of beauty. You look at the whole garden, the way it's laid out, its patterns, its intricacies, and you realize that one or two people picked up a shovel, picked up a hammer, picked up a few nails and some pieces of wood. And they created something that's not just beautiful, that not just gives them back in time and, and, and joy and, and contributes to their home, but actually provides for their needs. Producing food in the world's words of Jules DeVace is the most dangerous occupation in the world because it will give you freedom and most people don't know what the hell to do with that freedom at first. It's dangerous because it threatens it threatens the overriding power matrix in a way that they cannot combat. They've, they've taken over housing. The days where you could just go out and lay claim to a few acres and start building a house, that's really hard to do anymore. They'll put zoning on you. Oh, you're not zoned for construction. Oh, you have to be inspected. We don't think your house is safe. We have to take care of you. We're afraid it'll collapse. It doesn't matter how many houses have been built out of solid logs before. We're not quite comfortable with you creating your own logs. Have they been kiln-dried? You know, all those log cabins should have kiln-dried logs today. No matter what you do, there's a catch-22. There's a gotcha. There's no gotcha in a chicken's egg. They can't do anything about it. And if they ever try... If they ever try, they just may get pulled out of that clown house up there in Washington or out of state capital. You start taking away a man's chicken or his right to grow his own tomato, we ever actually get to that point where they try to go that far, you will see a popular revolution. You will see a physical revolution. People won't tolerate it. They know they can't go that far. They know the only solution is to convince you that it's just easier to play the game, that what you do doesn't matter. It's a lie. Never believe it. Even things like alternative energy. Without the food, that doesn't even matter. So I'd love one day to get my uh, my retreat up in Arkansas to a point where I produce 100% of my own electricity. That would be an immense step in the right direction. If I got that between food production and energy production, a paid-for house, and the minimal little amount of taxes they can get away with charging me up there, I'd be about as independent and free as I could get. But you tell me of the two, food and energy, which one I really need more. If, um, if I don't produce enough food for myself to eat this month through hunting, fishing, foraging, gardening, permaculture, and I go to the store and I buy the food that I need to get by, am I doing it by choice or by necessity? And I'm talking if I'm talking just enough food to live on, not to have all the nice fruity things that I want or whatever, but if I just don't have enough caloric intake available to me off my land and I go buy more food, is it choice or necessity? If I put in a solar array and, and some things like that, and, and I can basically uh, cook my food and keep my food preserved and have some lights and maybe a little bit of communications gear running and my computer for my podcasting, and I have enough to get by, and I choose, you know what, I want to run my big screen plasma TV this month, and I'm going to turn it on, and it's going to make the electrical meter run, and I'm going to draw off the grid, and I'm going to pay an electric bill this month. Am I doing that by choice or necessity? Do I need that TV? Absolutely not. Do I need the food? Absolutely. See, it's, it's, the, it's the thing that we need. There's only three things that you need, absolutely intrinsically need to survive. Food, shelter, water. 
They've locked down shelter. There's no such thing as free shelter anymore. All right, you're gonna pay something, something into the system, some form of taxation. Even if you buy an RV, you say I'm gonna tow it around and camp wherever I can for free. You can only stay in one place so long. Sooner or later, you have to burn gasoline. You have to move it. You have to pay. There's no free lunch with shelter anymore. It's done. You go try to live in a lean-to in the forest, they'll find you and arrest you sooner or later. They won't let you do it. And you know they won't. They'll say, oh, this guy's crazy. He's gone mental. He's been out in the wilderness for two and a half years. We've got to go check him out. So shelter they've taken. Water, you can pull water off with a well, with water catch, and food. You can pull food off. So two of your three... You can get complete control back over. All I'm saying is take the control back. The reason this matters, the reason it really is a form of revolution, the reason that's not sensationalism and hyperbole, is the only reason people make deals with the snakes and the scum and the slime that is our government, that are our congressmen, our senators. The only reason that people allow these 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 vermin to do what they do. The only reason they allow the corporations to get away with what they get away with, the only reason they allow all of this monopoly, this fascist state that we have become, and it is fascist, I won't go into why today, trust me, we have a fascist economy, people. It's nothing to do with Nazis, nothing to do with exterminations, nothing to do with prejudice. Economically, this is a fascist nation. The only reason people allow this is fear. What if, what if I don't have a job? What if the food isn't at the grocery store? What if I can't get health care? What if, what if, what if? Well, every time you take a little bit of control back in your life, where you are your own provider, you have less what ifs. That's the fear. It's not that we'll put ConAgra or Monsanto out of business. That's not the fear. The fear is, what the hell do we do if 50 million Americans start living this way? They opt out of the system as much as they can. They find a nice little piece of property somewhere. They cultivate it. They produce 40, 50, 60% of their own food. They get a lot of their freedom back from that, so they work less, they buy less consumer goods, they feed the beast less, they pay less taxes, they pay the economy less, but they're not on the dole. See, they need you in this economy to be one of two things. You must either be a consumer of government or a producer for government. They're okay with either one. You wonder, how can they accept the millions of people that are on welfare handouts? They, they get a welfare check, a gift from the, 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 the taxpayers every month. They get everything in their lives paid for. They live in a housing. How can they tolerate those people? They need them. They need them to make you, the producer, afraid. They go, look, if we don't pay these people, they're going to freak out and start committing crimes, and they're going to take what you have, and oh my God, maybe they'd get off their ass and get a job, but they don't want you to think that way. So they don't mind if you are a consumer of government, because they will have a very finite lifestyle that you can live. They'll hold you down with that free biscuit, Mr. Dog, every day. Here's your bone, but you don't get to go outside the yard. So that's a consumer. The producer for government, they give a little bit to the lap dogs, the welfare recipients, and they keep the rest for themselves. And they keep recycling it through the system over and over and over and over. And it's the most upfront, 
and legal form of money laundering known to man. The more times I can get a dollar spent, the more times I can tax it and tax the tax on it and tax the tax on it. And the more that we can get our federal uh, agency, that's not an agency, the Federal Reserve, to loan money to us with, the more money they can make. And we all profit at the expense of the people as long as they're consuming or producing. And when I say producing, I don't mean producing for themselves. I mean producing into the system. That's what's necessary for it to work. Producers in, consumers out, and the people in the middle controlling it like a house, taking a cut of every plot, every hand of poker. The house always wins. All the money does is get moved around the table. And the, the, if the dealer's dishonest, he can stack the deck in favor of a couple of the players. And there you have our economic system. So they don't mind if you are the waiter or the waitress that gets a couple of chips thrown to you and gets paid by the house to bring drinks to all the people playing the game. They don't mind if you're the guy that's mortgaging his kid's future and losing all the money. They don't mind if you're the rich fat cat on the end of the table that the dealer's stacking the deck in your favor. You know what they don't want you to do? Walk out of the casino. Go plant a little garden, throw a cane pole into a stream and start fishing. That's what they can't tolerate. Because that makes the system fall apart. And they're scared. They're terrified that 10 million, 20 million, 50 million Americans will do it. It's happening faster in the rest of the world than it is here. All over the world, in third world nations, people are starting to realize, hey, you know what? They took our agricultural land, but these little dirt plots they left us with, that's the same dirt. We can grow our food there. People like Mel Bartholomew are teaching people in third world nations how to create compost and do square foot gardening and become self-sufficient all over the world. If they can do it, what can we do? America's always been at the forefront of every movement in the world. What happens if we get at the front of this movement? How big can we make this movement? How much can we do? And you think it doesn't scare them? So next time you think to yourself, hey, this doesn't really matter, my little garden or my two peach trees or my fig tree. It doesn't really make that much of a difference. It's only 10% of my food. It's not 10% of your food, friends. It's 10% of your freedom. If you can really produce 10% of your food, you should be able to reduce your bill for your food by 10%. And you should need to work that much less. Just keep doing it. Keep figuring it out. Get in the game. Play the game. And when they start taking shots at you, then you know you're over the target. And you know what you're doing matters. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up today. This is a different kind of show. But I wanted to make you think today. I want you to really understand what it's all about. And I want you to understand the last piece of this revolution before I sign off today. You can't get your kids excited about political news on Fox. You're not going to have any in-depth discussions with a nine-year-old about economic systems socialism versus communism versus capitalism versus fascism not real interested in that stuff it's hard to even get them to you know follow a lot of literature or history or religion or spirituality but you can get a nine year old excited about growing a garden 
You plant that revolutionary seed in them when they're young, and even if they go off in the world, and even if they forget, it will always be there. And it's almost like the Matrix with the blue pill or the red pill. All it ever takes is one neighbor walking up to that kid 25 years from now, handing him a tomato, and then movie plays in their head. They remember what you taught them. They remember how it was different when something that they did provided what they ate, when they had a direct connection. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I'm just going to put a couple flower pots on the porch. And those of you that started that way know what comes next. Every square inch that you can manage to plant something useful gets used. It infects you like a virus, but in this case a very healthy virus because it's just following our true nature. There's no other revolution I know of that we can spread like that that doesn't cause harm, that doesn't cause damage, that doesn't require anybody to share your political beliefs or your spiritual beliefs or your emotional beliefs. It's universal. So get active, get involved. And remember, when you produce stuff, give some of it away. Those of you who are religious, tithe it. Take 10% of what you produce. Give it to your neighbors. Give it to your friends. Share it with people. Show it to people. When people come over, don't show them the tile you laid. Anybody can lay tile. Take them outside. Show them the garden you planted, the tree you planted. Spread the revolution. This has been Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast. Help you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough or even if they don't. can scream and you can holler it really doesn't matter cause it all gets spent